Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. Today, I'd like for you to keep track of how many times Solomon asked for the Lord to hear, to hear him in his prayers. He asked the Lord, Lord, hear me, hear me. Well, Solomon had just finished uh, building the temple, and now he has been leading the temple in this dedication. So here we are now in 1 Kings 8 and 27. He says, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built? Yet regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication, O Lord my God, and listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you today, that your eyes may be open toward this temple night and day, toward the place of which you said, My name shall be there, that you may hear the prayer which your servant makes toward this place. And may you hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel, when they pray toward this place, here in heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. So Solomon asked the Lord to not just hear, but he also said to regard, and he said the word hear three separate times. So Solomon asked the Lord to hear at least probably about five times. And so Solomon said, the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. He was declaring how big the Lord is. How amazing that Almighty God, as big as He is, would hear our prayers. Almighty God, whose hand spans the universe. He can measure the universe with the width of His hand. 1 Kings 8 and 31. When anyone sins against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath and comes and takes an oath before your altar in this temple, then hear in heaven and act and judge your servants, condemning the wicked, bringing his way on his head and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. So Solomon had asked the Lord for his hearing again, as he had asked the Lord if he would take care of disputes that happened to arise between the people. Eventually, people get into uh, conflicts with each other, and he wanted the Lord to get involved. And so Solomon asked the Lord if he would condemn the wicked by putting their own way on their own head. A good example of this, let me use the story of Haman and Mordecai. Haman was very wicked, but Mordecai was walking in righteousness. Now, Haman built gallows. He intended to hang Mordecai on these gallows, but Haman is the one that hung on it. Well, the Lord had put Haman's way on his own head, but the Lord justified Mordecai by giving to him according to his righteousness. So this is what Solomon was asking the Lord to do for all of Israel, to give to each one according to their own way. So you would think that after a few disputes went down, the Israelites would start to recognize God's pattern, that all the bad guys that are trying to cheat people, they get cheated. 
And all the guys that are trying to do good for other people, they get treated well. They get treated good. And that would make everybody realize, you know what? I think my way had better be God's way. First Kings 8 and 33. When your people, Israel, are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you, and when they turn back to you and confess your name and pray and make supplication to you in this temple, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people, Israel, and bring them back to the land which you gave to their fathers. So he asked the Lord, when your people are beaten in a military combat, now this right off the bat tells me that there's times when God's own people will fall into such a level of sin that God will actually hand them over to an enemy for the purpose of defeating them. And later on in Second Kings chapter 25, we're going to see that this will actually happen. And the Chaldeans were going to come and destroy the temple. The Lord himself actually causes affliction when it comes to dealing with sin. Now, this is a very tough subject for a bunch of us to swallow, that the Lord God would allow that, because a lot of people don't believe this. I want to show you Lamentations 3, verse 31. For the Lord will not cast off forever, though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. Okay, cut and dried right there, guys. God does afflict people. It says God does not afflict willingly. It's not, it's not like that's just what he wants to do all the time. He does it because he has a righteous reason to get people to repent and come back. But he also said that when he causes affliction, he does it with immeasurable compassion. Now, for the one being afflicted, they don't want to see it that way. But there's a bigger picture than just the way you see it. There's a picture of walking in his righteousness. The purpose of his affliction is to get his people to repent. See, there's that word that everybody hates today, the word repent. When we get off in that selfishness like that, he has to afflict to turn us back around to him and start obeying his commandments instead of obeying what we want to do for ourselves. Now observe what Solomon said in verse 33. He said, when your people are defeated before an enemy, what did he say? Because they have sinned against you. There's the reason. Because they sinned. Solomon understood that enemies come to destroy, not because the enemy is so bad, but because God's own people got so bad. Most people don't believe that God actually causes affliction. They think only Satan does that. I want to read you another backup verse to confirm this from Isaiah 45, verse 7. The Lord says this, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. The very wording that he used here, he's trying to tell us, I actually do this stuff. I make this happen. So there, it doesn't get any more blunt than that. Look, here's how it works. Our sin provokes God's wrath, and then that brings the calamity of God's affliction that he does not give willingly, but he does it with immeasurable compassion. Now, those people that don't believe that God does this sort of thing, they never realize the necessity of repentance. Because they're deceived into only believing a God of blessing, not a God of correction. 
Any of you parents, your kids mess up, you have to correct them. You have to administer a little affliction, and they don't like it, but they don't see the bigger picture. You're trying to teach them how to live rightly. 1 Kings 8 and 35. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, when they parade toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin because you afflict them, if you got your Bible out, I want you to highlight or underline that right there. When they confess your name and turn from their sin because you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, that you may teach them the good way in which they should walk and send rain on your land, which you have given to your people as an inheritance. So there, God sends affliction because people sin and he's got to get them to turn back. But did you see what was just worded here? Did you know that our sin literally affects the weather? (laughs) Sounds crazy if you don't look at it from a biblical standpoint, but it says so right here. Our sin affects the weather. And so, again, Solomon asked the Lord to hear, please hear, Lord God, if the people would repent of their national sin, then forgive them when the rains cut off. And, you know, when the rains cut off, it stops the productivity. It stops the crops from growing. People don't get to eat as well. The livestock starts to die off. The rain affects everything. And so Solomon, in verse 35, he knew the rains could be cut off from the land, as he said, quote, because you afflict them. Solomon understood that. Now understand when he said when he said that because you afflict them, you observe that the word you is capitalized. This capitalization means deity. This is referring to the Lord God himself. You afflict them. God afflicts the people. I just wanted to make that as clear as I could because that's what it literally says. God afflicts his people to get them to turn from sin. Now, like I'd mentioned earlier, most people believe affliction only comes from Satan. Friends, God does this. Quote, he said, I, the Lord, do these things. Now, if you're still wrestling with the fact that God afflicts his people, then look at his purpose for why he does it in verse 36. It says that you may teach them in the good way which they should walk. Friends, that's why God sends affliction. So that we'll learn. It's, it's Again, it's the same thing as punishing your kid. You give them a spanking means you administer affliction to teach them how to act right, how to walk right. It's the same thing. Now, when a sinful people disobey deliberately, they won't listen and they will not turn. God afflicts them so that they'll repent and come back. It's the diehards, it's the the diehard people that will not turn and come back to him that complain about how unfair this is. Oh, God doesn't do that. These are the people that don't want to repent, and they don't understand it because they have this death grip on their sin. It's so tight that they refuse to let go of it. They want it, but when they hang on to the sin, it can only increase the affliction all the more. When believers call others to repent, hey, friend, I see you in this problem, I see you in this trouble, and I'd like to call you to repent and come back to God. We don't call people to repentance because we think we're better than you. I get that all the time. What makes you so so, uh, better than me? Well, I'm not. We don't call people to repentance because we think we're better. We do it because we have experienced our own affliction and our own affliction that we've already been through. 
It drove us to repent because we got tired of it. It hurt. And it was a lot of it was public sometimes. Doesn't feel good. And it taught us how we should walk. In other words, we learned the hard way. And so when we see others living in willful sin and we see them going through affliction, we believers, we will make a plea. Please repent. Call them to repentance, not because we're better than you, but out of love, we're trying to help people turn back to the Lord and save them from the hardship of affliction like we went through. We're trying to keep them from having to go through it the hard way like we did. Oh, man, all the stuff you could avoid if you would just get down before the Lord and say, forgive me, Father, I've sinned. Trust me, friends, the Lord taught me <laughs> the Lord taught me how I should walk. But the process of breaking me down, it just was not fun. However, I am glad he put me through it. Now, how much easier is it to just hear the call, just to be humble enough to hear a friend call you to repentance because, friend, I want to help you. They say, look, I'd just like to help you with this. You're going through a bad time. I, I, I've identified some things that you could get back to the Lord with, and it would probably make a huge difference. Friends, just hear that call and respond to it. Hear their call of repentance instead of getting angry about it and being so dead in your sin that you want to fire back at the person that's just trying to help. But hear the call and respond and repent. And friends, that's why Solomon was praying for the people of Israel, so that they would walk rightly before God, so that they could be blessed in the land that God had given them. Solomon wanted the best for them, and that's why he prayed this. Friends, when we call you to repentance, it's only because we want the best for you. We don't want to see you in affliction. And we've already been through it. Many of us believers have been through affliction. We want to call you out of it to help you because we love you. Solomon loved his people just like we love you when we call you to repentance as well. First Kings 8 and 37. When there is famine in the land, pestilence or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers, when their enemy besieges them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication, which is begging, like an asking for begging, is that's what supplication means. It's it's when you ask, it's like you're begging in your asking, like, oh please let me have this. Verse 38, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people, Israel, when each one knows the plague of his own heart and spreads out his hands toward this temple, then hear in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act and give to everyone according to all his ways, whose heart you know. For you alone know the hearts of all the sons of men that they may fear you all the days that they live in the land which you gave to our fathers. Okay, wow. Solomon just unloaded the whole toolbox, didn't he? Now, one thing we need to look at here is how Solomon said the word pestilence. He said, if whatever pestilence, whatever sickness, if anybody will pray at all, Lord, please hear and act and forgive. But he said the word pestilence. Now, uh, this is a big one here. Webster's Dictionary defines the word pestilence as a contagious, infectious, destructive disease. That's what pestilence is. America, I know I just got your attention, if not the rest of the world. For anybody that's got the, the COVID years in their mind real fresh, you you got to understand this word pestilence is a damaging, rapid-spreading, infectious disease. Solomon also said, when there is plague, 
He said, or whatever sickness there is. Solomon's covering it all, A to Z. You know, the world had been plagued with a rapid spreading pestilence in the year 2021-2022 era uh, with COVID-19. And I hear, I remember hearing a lot of people praying, oh, Lord, just take this away. Just take the sickness away. But the whole national sin of the nation and the rest of the world, the sin has culminated to such a terribly bad level that according to what we read here, God has to afflict. Why? Because he's trying to get people to repent of their sins and walk rightly. He's trying to call them back to him so that they can walk in the right way. We have to consider the fact that it is the Lord who sent the pestilence, because it says so. But why would he do it? We have to get a hold of this. We are the sinner here, not God. We are sinners, not God. We've got to understand that. And there is great sin absolutely everywhere. And the Lord God is trying to teach the world how we should walk. Friends, I'm not making this stuff up. You've been reading the Bible along with me. At least I hope you have. When you follow me and you hear me reading these passages, I'm, I'm not the one that wrote this. The Lord God did. This is his word. But today, most people don't understand, nor do they want to repent. They just don't want to do it. My life, my way, I'll do what I want to. As long as I'm not hurting anybody, then who cares? Well, you are hurting other people because sin spreads. Anyway, people that do this, they don't want to learn how they should walk. They want to walk their way. And they're too preoccupied. It's selfishness. They're too preoccupied with their own walk. And the only time they pray is when they say, Lord, just get this affliction off my back, having no desire to repent of the willful sin that they are actively committing when they need to consider it is God himself who probably sent that affliction on them to shake them out of it. Wow. You know, friends, you really got to appreciate the Lord God in this rather than curse his name because, because of the fact that God won't let up. He's pursuing you. He wants you to turn back to him. He's after you. He wants you to come back, and that is a good thing. So Solomon prayed for his people. He prayed for the Israelites, and that covers pretty much everybody, right? The Is he prayed for the Israelites? That's everyone, right? Well, not quite. <laughs> he's, there's more he's going to pray for here in 1 Kings 8 and 41. Solomon said, Moreover, concerning a foreigner who is not of your people, Israel, but has come from a far country for your name's sake, for they will hear of your great name and your strong hand and your outstretched arm. When he comes and prays toward this temple, here in heaven your dwelling place, and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, that all the people of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this temple which I have built is called by your name. Solomon really wants the Lord to be known. He wants the Lord to be known because he wants God's righteousness to be known not just to the Jew, but to the Gentile as well, also to the foreigner. To think of a king praying like this, that this kind of prayer could only come by the wisdom that God gave Solomon. God had to be driving Solomon to pray this wide, this big of a spectrum like this, to pray on behalf of those who were not even Israelites. Solomon knew that God's fame was going to spread all over the world, even to the foreigner who was far away. 
Now, this would propagate the name and the greatness of the Lord well beyond Israel's borders. You know, I see this as kind of a a mission statement in this somewhat, that we have to take the good news of the Lord God beyond our own borders. Friends, your church should be carrying the gospel outside of the walls of your church. Solomon's thinking like that. He's thinking outside the borders, outside the walls to as many people as you can possibly get the word of the righteousness of God out to them. And this is why I, at my church, we support mission work. It's why we're on the radio, if you're hearing me on the radio, because we're trying to get the word of God beyond just the walls of where my church meets at, so that people can hear and understand God's character. You can't respond to God to what God wants if you don't know what he's like. So when you hear the word of God, you know what he expects of you. You know he wants you to repent. Now today you know he afflicts so that you will turn and repent. See, now you can learn, and it takes outreach to get this to into your ears. This radio show that I'm on, this podcast, we're trying to get the word of God out to you. And Solomon was praying in the same kind of manner to get it out there. Why? So that even the foreigner who is far away can choose to walk how God says they should walk so that they can be blessed by it. Friends, I'm on the radio so that you can be blessed by the word of God. I pray often for those of you driving in your car at rush hour or wherever you're at when you hear me on the radio or the podcast on your on your mobile phone or whatever, that you hear the word of God and you consider the things that's being read to you today from the Bible. And you say, you know what? I didn't know that about God. I need to straighten up a few things to get in line with what he expects of me. And then you can experience better blessing in your life. That's all I do this for is to get the word of God, the gospel of Jesus, to as many people as I possibly can. Now, Solomon goes on to say in 1 Kings 8 and 44, When your people go out to battle against their enemy, wherever you send them, and when they pray to the Lord toward the city which you have chosen and the temple which I have built for your name, then hear in heaven their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. Now, this particular passage is kind of different because it's not addressing uh, anything about praying for the consequences of sin, but it's talking about maintaining a righteous walk after you have chosen to do what's right. This isn't about sin. This is about righteousness. Lots of people have been through the ringer of affliction, so they chose to give up their old life and they want to walk right with God, and they've made a good choice to walk right with him. But there's always some knucklehead group out there that always tries to mess it up for everybody. You know what I'm talking about. And so when an enemy comes along to try to just mess it up for those that just want to walk and live right, did you know that we can pray to keep our walk right? We can pray not just to learn how to walk right, but pray so that we can continue to walk successfully right. (laughs) It's not just, oh, I, I realized I was messing up. I need to spin around and go to the other way. That's good prayer right there. That's a repentant prayer that you can turn around and get go back with God. But to continue that good walk, you still got to pray. And that's what Solomon's talking about here. Prayer is not just about getting out from under affliction. It's also needed for staying under victory. Prayer is not just to get out of the bad stuff. It's also for staying in the good stuff. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set.